Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajaran Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Do you, you don't think they have a chance at all against the Colts? No. Not at all. Okay. No. All right. I mean, you got one team that wants to play. You got another team that wants to go home. Second and goal. Lawrence going to throw for it again, and it is a touchdown. Laquan Treadwell. I mean, one team that's tired of it all, one team that's motivated. Uh, you got the best running back in the NFL. You got uh, a defense that gets turnovers. Wins. Pulls it down once, now throws intercepted. Damian Wilson with the interception. You got an offense that can't score really more than, I'd say, 13 points, but probably more like 10. Lawrence pulling it down and throws. But it's still fire bulky. Yeah. I mean, 3 p.m. tomorrow, he better be gone. If not, all this positivity, out the door. All right, let's check out the clock. <laughs> Uh-oh, what time is it? I told you they'd get it done. <laughs> oh, wow. I think I picked the Jags to cover. Yeah, man. <laughs> For sure. Very nice shot once again, Casey. Wow. Casey, I mean, <laughs> Casey pulls out his best stuff I because just, it only happened three times. I just hope they win 10 games next year, <laughs> yeah, man. That I was know. fantastic. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a lot that's of work a, for you. That's a lot of work. Yeah. A lot that goes into that right there, and the clock continues to tick, and Trent Bulky continues to be the GM. Sorry, dude. I guess all the positivity is gone. Bummer. More of that reaction on the Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 YouTube page. Oh, yeah. Uh, plenty of that where Casey and Austin got yesterday. We had some fun, man. And, and hey, my bad because we probably shouldn't do that the entire year um, looking back on it now. But next year, we, we can we can start doing that some more because that was fun. Yeah, good, good time, time out there. Yeah, talk to a it lot was of people. Wild. Oh, yeah, it was wild, man. Yeah. Casey, shout out to Casey for uh, getting some good video and everything like that. Um, yeah, it was, it was chaos, let's just say. Absolutely. Uh, it was a wild day yesterday and a good day. Coffee tastes a little bit better this morning in Jacksonville. Yeah. A lot went right for the Jags yesterday. Not only did they win, they bump uh, Indy out of the playoffs. Of course, Trevor plays well. Some young guys play well in, in the win as well. And uh, they keep the number one pick. I mean, really, it's about as perfect a day as you could get for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, there's not a lot to complain about yesterday yeah. other than for the fan base, especially Trent Bulky still has a job. And that obviously isn't changing. I think what we've learned now is this is not going to end this week. Uh, I don't know if you saw the latest report. I think Hackett's going to interview on Friday. So if Hackett's lined up to interview on Friday, they're not running through this thing. You know, they're not hurrying to, to get the ink signed on a contract with a new coach. And, uh, that means I think Trent Baalke's going to be in play. Uh, Daryl Bevel uh, was told uh, that he'll have a chance to interview this week sometime. And um, Trent Baalke is part of that, as we know, and it continues to happen. Here's the deal now, though. Jacksonville Jaguars have a lot of competition in oh, the yeah. coaching ranks. And uh, where do the Jags fall in terms of what kind of job it is? A lot of questions will be asked the, from the candidates, I would imagine. 
Absolutely. You know, because now you find yourselves competing with the Miami Dolphins, competing with the Denver Broncos, competing with the Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, some franchises, that some pros, some cons, but you have a lot of competition to go to. And, you know, if you have that list kind of narrowed down to maybe one or two guys with Doug Peterson uh, or Caldwell or somebody else, we're not really talking about that much. Yeah, it's going to be kind of cutthroat now of, you know, trying to go get your guy. And now here's the deal. I think there's also some competition for the good GMs out there because Chicago, Minnesota have GM openings, and so do the New York Giants. Pittsburgh as well, right? Uh, and Pittsburgh. I mean, when when they're out of the, that's when, right. their season's done. Uh, with, uh, why does the Minnesota GM get fired, by the way? What did he do wrong? He drafted Jefferson, drafted <laughs> Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. Yeah, he paid Kirk Cousins, but, I mean. And Cousins, actually, his numbers have been terrific. Yeah, that's yeah. enjoying them. Why did he get fired? That's a good point. Maybe because fresh hey, start, Casey. Uh, I fresh don't know. start. Maybe somebody wants to hit the reset button. Yeah, man. Fresh start. <laughs> and you don't want to stick somebody with someone else. True. Which is kind of what's going on in Jacksonville from a perception standpoint. So I will say this. I told you the other day, fr- Friday, I said I- I'd be nervous if by 3 o'clock we haven't heard anything. Uh, we're not going to hear anything. And so I wondered if I'd be as nervous as I thought I'd be. I would say no. I'm still convicted in this, okay? I don't think he's going to be the GM in 2022. I just don't think Trent Baalke's going to be the guy. I know it's an uncomfortable spot right now, and it's a little hard of an explanation of why he then is part of this process. I get it. I get it. I don't have the perfect answer for you. But I do think the head coach that is hired of the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be the guy to make the GM move, meaning likely fire Baalke and then go in with Shad Khan and others to help find the next GM. Now, the concern of that is what I just told you. There could be, what, three, four jobs opening, um, and maybe even more. Who knows? And uh, now the Jags have a lot of competition for the GM, so they're really getting, as much as they got be ahead on the coaching search if they wanted to, which they did, they're getting behind on the GM search. I don't know how much that matters, but it could be something to keep an eye on. That's if they make a move with Trent Bulky. I predict they will make a move. A lot of people don't. Yeah, I mean... I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of a little nervous like I have been just because there have been reports, there there has been rumors, there has been smoke, and um, I understand that Shad Khan doesn't like to reveal too much, but, I mean, with all these, you know, national people saying certain things, it makes you wonder just if something did get out and if Trent Baalke is going to be the guy going forward. I think in terms of GMs, you know, there's a lot of possible candidates out there, and one would assume, you know, if you do hire a guy like Caldwell or, or um, you know, Peterson, I mean, I don't know. Like, we're sitting here talking about coaches all the time. We don't really talk about GMs that much just because I feel like there's a lot of possibilities you can go in terms of old GMs, in terms of, you know, player personnel guys to get um, elevated and get promoted. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities out there in terms of where you can go in the GM angle. So I'm not so worried about maybe necessarily not getting, quote-unquote, the best GM because I couldn't tell you who the best GM candidate even is right now. But at the same time, I still think it's just in terms of optics, in terms of how you're going about things, it's not the best look right now for the Jaguars. Yeah, uh, here's the deal. There was a lot of talk that keeping Trent Baalke could hinder the Jaguars getting the next coach, the best coach, the best candidate. That could still be the case if 
Shad is stuck on keeping bulky. Again, I don't buy that. I think this is more what does the head coach have to say about the situation? And you like Brent, well, he's the one doing the interviews. He's going to endorse so-and-so. He can endorse whoever the hell he wants. Shad's the one making the decision, and I got to believe Shad's smart enough to know, hey, he's uh, endorsing Bill O'Brien because that's the one guy that will work with him or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping he is. My point in this is the process of it. I've explained it a lot of times through my lens is, I think they'll, if it's Doug Peterson, hey, Doug, we're going to offer you the job. Would you like to take job? Yeah, I would, but I don't want Trent around. I'm going to go find a new GM. Okay. You either accept his answer or not. And I think that's what a lot of coaches will do if they're offered this position. But the one thing I will say, I thought, think people said, especially when they saw the Dan Quinn news, is that, okay, people are going to run and hide from this job. They don't even want to be associated with Balky, even if he's in the room. Well, that hasn't really been the case. They're interviewing everybody outside of Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn, for whatever reason, didn't want to take this job. It could have been bulky, but it could have been a lot of different reasons. And even then, I said, why wouldn't you at least interview and go find out? Yeah. And I think that's what these other candidates are doing, well, and smartly so. Josh McDaniels or not? Well, we don't know about that one. Again, okay. there's kind of mixed reviews on that. Did they even – remember Bill Belichick said they weren't – nobody asked for permission to speak to him? Yeah. And then there was another report that said McDaniels doesn't like the idea of going down there, even sitting in the room, essentially, with Balky. But mm -hmm. he might just not want the Jags job. And, and Dan Quinn might be the same way. They might not love everything. Hey, there's a chance Dan Quinn doesn't think Trevor Lawrence is as good as a lot of people think Trevor Lawrence is. Josh McDaniels might feel the same way. But, I mean, Dan Quinn's a defensive-minded guy, though. Like, I know. Do you, do you, there could I mean, be a multitude of reasons, sure, I guess, sure. is my point. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Dan Quinn didn't want to take the job because he didn't want to risk his next head coaching job to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe. I think he only has one more shot to try to get it right, and he doesn't want it to happen in Jacksonville. I mean, I think eventually Dan Quinn's number will get called again, and I think he wants to go to a better situation. I think with McDaniels, yeah, we don't really know what transpired there in terms of does he not like Balky? Did they not just ask him for the heck of it? I'd like to think that if the Jaguars were casting a wide net, and trying to get as many candidates as possible, I would hope that McDaniels would at least be on that list to interview somebody. I did so, too. so it kind of shows you like he probably wasn't the most keen on maybe interviewing for the Jets. Yeah, and but. somebody just said, uh, Donald said on, uh, I think on YouTube, Dan Quinn is close with uh, George Patton, the Broncos GM, mm -hmm. which might be the case, and he's already been requested by the Broncos. So I've I, I told you this for a while now. Whoever these agents are of the coaches, they know the dominoes that are about to fall. Like, there are a lot of people inside the circles that knew probably Fangio was out, mm -hmm. knew Zimmer was out, knew the options ahead, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, depending on which agent you have, Quinn might have just said, listen, I'm not wasting my time with that. To your point, I'm going to have an interview with Denver. I might even get an interview with Chicago. I might get an interview with Minnesota. You know, we'll see what happens with the Giants. But I'm going to take – I'm not as interested in Jacksonville as I might be in some of those other positions. Mm -hmm. So – uh Again, the, these dominoes, I think, behind the scenes have already started to fall. And I bet, I bet, if you had, if you were in a room with Jimmy Sexton right now, he could tell you, and you would put a good bet on where everybody's going to land. Hmm. Like, I guarantee it. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think that's the way it works. Now, it's still going to happen. And yeah. I'm not saying there couldn't be some, you know, bumps along the way. Heck, Josh McDaniels turned down Indianapolis after taking it. So, uh the big stunner of the day is Brian Flores. Absolutely. In Miami. I mean, this was like, I tweeted, I was like, whoa, I did not expect to see that. I mean, we had all these rumblings about other jobs, and you could see the, the writing on the wall. I think he can make, you know, Zimmer, I've not been a big Zimmer fan. His record is pretty darn good, though. Um, Nagy, we knew was happening, even though his record's over 500. Funny thing is, Flores' record is not over 500, but the last two years he's been terrific and right on the edge of the postseason. Mm-hmm. 
uh, with a pretty average offensive football team. And he fixed it in midseason in Miami this year to do what he did and get them in position to play in the playoffs. How much of a stunner was that, that Flores gets fired? And are you interested? Um, it was definitely a stunner just because of the credentials, of the record, but because he's beat Bill Belichick three times, which yeah. is pretty impressive in itself. So definitely kind of a shock, but it goes to show you that record doesn't mean everything. Sometimes it's how do you relate to the players? Sometimes it's do you get along with the front office or not? And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of rumors coming out of Miami right now, and it's hard to kind mm -hmm. of pick, like, what exactly happened there. But one would assume... Well, it probably wasn't necessarily due to the, the culture that he tried to build, even though he's more of an old-school guy, and some players maybe got rubbed the wrong way in terms of, quote-unquote, having to work too hard. But you get the sense that him and, and the organization, the front office, just maybe didn't see eye-to-eye -eye and everything, and they kind of had a falling out, and it was between the GM or the head coach. They chose the head coach. GM stays. Brian Flores is out. Yeah, and, and that's the story, right? That's just the GM did stay? Yeah, I believe so, yes. Yeah. So what in the world is going on? The Minnesota GM gets fired. He didn't really do anything wrong, well, you know, on the surface. And then you have the guy that drafted Tua over Herbert, and he stays? Yeah, he stays. And, and that was more, again, Goodness. I think what Austin's saying, if you read some of the national guys that know maybe the Flores situation or maybe they know the Greer side of it, it wasn't anything to do with the record. It was more relationship-wise mm -hmm. that uh, maybe his relationship with Tua, some suggested, but also with the GM. And apparently Ross met with with both and kind of figured, you know what, I, I think it's really on Flores. Yeah. And and there are some people that are not defending him and said, hey, he created kind of a messy situation at times. They had, what, co-offensive play callers, I think it was. And uh, so there's a little bit of that going on in Miami. What I would say, though, in Jacksonville is like, wait a minute, if that's in question and they have the ability to check that maybe more than we do and find out fact from fiction, but I don't want that coming to Jacksonville. Yeah. Right? I mean, we're trying to stay away from that. The one well, person keep, said... Keep in mind, you're, you're advocating Doug Peterson, though. I know. I know. And that's the, the exact same thing happened to Doug Peterson. There's some of those thoughts, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess maybe... Well, by the way, I've had advocated Jim Caldwell the most. Okay. And there was not that. But I have advocated as well for Peterson mm -hmm. before other second-year guys came on the market. Like, Bowles is a, I'm sorry, second go-around guys. Mm -hmm. Bowles is a second go-around guy. Doesn't do that much for me. Uh, Bill O'Brien, same thing, right? Well, now Flores comes available. I'm not saying I hate the idea of Flores. I'm just saying if there is something there, uh, it feels like Peterson taking a year off, and I'm not, I'm not sure it's the ultimate, like, cleanser to mm -hmm. take a year off, but whatever did happen, he might have learned from it a little bit. And who knows, maybe he was right. But the owner just went into Miami and said, well, Flores was wrong. Even though you know he's got the locker room for the most part, I think. Those guys seem to we play think. hard for him, right? Yeah, yeah. And they seem but, to like him. But they're also saying that there are some discrepancies in terms of how he handled practice and things like that yeah. that are coming out. So once again, it's you know it, it's all hearsay right now. It's a lot of posturing of, well, it was this guy's fault. No, it was this. Like, It's hard to really find out what exactly went down. But some things being thrown up right now in Miami is yeah. how he ran practice. But it should be. Listen, even if you want to say it's a, it is the knock against Peterson in the conversation, mm -hmm. what went on there. Yeah. And I do think it is a red flag for anybody coming here right at this moment. Moment, given what we just saw here in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer and quite frankly what we've seen over a three four year period where it was hard to cultivate success keep players for a myriad of reasons mm -hmm. I had one person right after like kind of in the last couple of weeks when I was starting to ask about coaches and and what fit and all this other stuff and and I think they said something that was pretty interesting if you want to simplify it it's like 
just get rid of the dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the dysfunction. And if it, it, at the very least, all you do is get rid of the dysfunction, at least you have a chance, mm-hmm. right? Then they got to make the right moves. They got to be good, all this stuff. But get rid of the dysfunction. Don't bring more in. Heck, that's a lot of the reason why everybody is up in arms about Balky. Nobody knows who Balky is. Nobody knows how good of a guy he is. Nobody knows that. Nobody's close to Balky around here. Nobody is. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm not even sure there's enough on his resume in Jacksonville alone to say he shouldn't be involved in the organization from a personnel standpoint. I have said I don't think he's done anything to earn the job. But I do think that this function of five different coaches in five years says volumes to me about Balky, whether it was San Francisco or here, that he's been a part of. And I don't like that. <laughs> that is my main reason for resetting it. So... If, if you just get rid of the dysfunction, then you do have to be careful. You have to vet the Flores situation very well. You obviously had to vet the Peterson situation very well. Uh, and it's still kind of for me why I'm still on tops of my list is Jim Caldwell because I think he could set, settle this thing down mm-hmm. and you won't have any of that stuff. I don't feel like you'll have any of that stuff to worry about. And once we just talked to the players today again, Austin, it's unbelievable how bad it was in that building for them. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, I know we know and we've said and, and everybody's kind of heard the stuff and you kind of say, man, it must be tough and, you know, it's hard on the rookie. I think what happened today and yesterday and, and really the last week perhaps is as more like got shed on what that locker room went through mm-hmm. and how it was so unusual to the degree it was is really just how hard it was in there for those guys to just play football. Yep. And that was real. Absolutely. And if that's the case, and it truly was that difficult, which I believe it was, and a lot of that has to stem from that Cincinnati incident after the game, I mean, you still have a guy in the building that was an advocate of that, that gave Urban Meyer the okay and said, yeah, you can go ahead and stay behind and leave the team on the plane. That's fine. And that's Trent Baalke. So once again, you, you have a guy left behind from the old regime that helped cultivate that bad energy, that helped cultivate a losing culture that helped cultivate this losing season. So I am still a little shocked that he is, you know, he's still present on this team and taking care of the of the interviewing process and all that stuff. But to echo you, yeah, Caldwell has always been my guy because I think it's the least sexiest pick that there is. I think it's boring, and that's exactly what this franchise needs. You, you need boring, you need simple, and you need a guy who I think um, comes with an offensive mind. Nothing against Flores and, and what he brings to the table, but this is obviously a defensive-minded guy. I would much rather have a guy, you know, I mean, if we're going to split hairs here, I mean, Peterson's, uh, I would pick over Flores, but once again, I want more quiet. I don't want any drama. I don't want any red flags at all, and I think Caldwell can be that guy. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Listen, I like the boom or bust kind of play. I like it in the draft sometimes. I like it in free agency. I think it's something to get excited about. And again, I will say, I, I was an advocate for Meyer. I did, I did not know it was going to go like this. I knew there was risk. Mm-hmm. I did not know it was going to go like this. And But I, I'm with you. I mean, give me the most, like, conservative, safe route I can go right now. And and I will say that's part of the reason Caldwell is on the top of my list mm-hmm. for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I don't think it's flashy. I don't know if he can win you a Super Bowl, quite frankly. I really don't. I can't sit here and tell you he could. But I think he can win football games in the NFL, make you relevant again, and keep you out of the headlines for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's got to stop. I mean, that really has to stop. And Shad said it himself. So if you don't think Shad knows this, he said it himself. He, he, in fact, when I asked him, 
two days before he fired Urban Meyer. I asked him, is this not the Urban Meyer that you thought you were getting? Mm -hmm. And he said, listen, it's one thing to lose football games. We've done that in the past. It's another thing to lose with drama. Mm. Right? So he was aware of it. Like, mm -hmm. it, it stood out to him. Now, does he think the only reason there was drama was Urban Meyer? There's a lot of people in that building you can tell the players think that it was, mm. I think. But they don't know really what the, if the GM's involved or not. And so that's where the fine line is right now. How much of that drama was helped create, to create by uh, Trent Baalke? Or is he just guilty by association, which I believe he is. Guilty by association. See you later. Let's start all over. So you don't think Balky was gave like Urban Meyer the okay to stay in Cincinnati? Oh yeah. Well, I do think there was an element of that where he might have just been trying to save everything at the time and defend it. Okay. And knew like instead, what's he instead if he says no, I didn't know, and then it becomes oh my gosh, a bigger story. Okay. So I'm not convinced either way. I can't tell you for sure that I believe him. I think he might have been trying to cover at the time and say, and he might have. He might have endorsed it. But listen, I mean, here's either, the thing either, about... Either, either you're a liar or you, or you didn't do the right thing. Well, here's the thing about Balky, though, endorsing. Balky had no control in the building anyway. This is going to sound like a defense. Urban Meyer ran the entire building the last year. Sure. You're not going to tell Urban Meyer what to do. He's like, really? I'm going, I don't think you uh, are. A GM who has NFL experience wouldn't tell Urban Meyer what to do? I don't think he give would. his two cents? I don't All think right. he would have. I don't All think right. he would. Well, listen, that was the problem in the building the whole time. Nobody would tell Urban Meyer anything. All right. Nobody would stand up to Urban Meyer in the building. Okay. That was part of the problem. Well, well then maybe Bulky not doing so should be the reason why he gets let go. Maybe I, he should have stopped well, Urban Meyer. And, and I do blame Bulky for, he's supposed to be the guide of the NFL for a guy who doesn't know the NFL and Urban Meyer. And mm -hmm. I do blame Ur uh, Bulky for a lot of that, from some of the moves mm -hmm. to the lack of big free agent fish that they got and to things like that where you're not coming back on the plane. So I do mm -hmm. think Bulky holds some of the responsibility. Uh, but I'm telling you, one of the big problems in that building over the last six, eight months is nobody wanted to say boo to Urban Meyer. Mm -hmm. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. guys everybody was locked in this could have gone two different directions could have gone like today or could have gone really bad knowing that tomorrow starts the off season we're not playing for the playoffs this is our last game gonna see a lot of different faces like just knowing all those things and to have a group that really comes out ready to go locked in and, and dominates the game especially you're playing against a team that is playing for everything you know they win this game they're in the hot, the stakes don't get higher and just to come out and dominate it's it, it feels really good to finish the season that way Trevor Lawrence was the best we've seen yet I wish they threw it a little more, and I know they were trying to win the game, but I kind of wanted to see him throw it more in the second half. Yeah. I think he only had seven pass attempts in the second half. They just sat on the ball. Sure. I mean, he had the one where he was like down at the one-inch yard line, so they just kind of ran it out of there and don't do anything stupid, which was smart. But mm -hmm. I kind of would have liked to see with like four minutes to go, let him put the game away, you know? Let him yeah. go get one more, and they just kept running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. But And then, oddly enough, they went for it on fourth down. Mm -hmm. It was strange. Because they don't get that on fourth down. It kind of breathes a little life maybe in Indy at the moment. Yeah. Um, well, and it makes you wonder, too. I mean, they were driving a couple of times out of settle for field goals. I mean, that game could have been an absolute blowout. They really An could've. absolute curb stomp if, you know, yeah, they're going to convert a couple more times. Yeah, the touchdown before the half. Yeah. That was a heck of a play. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you're right. They had the ball inside the five and settled. Yeah. Uh, even at that time. Could have had over 30 points for sure. They could have. Yeah. yeah. But that, I'll tell you, that is Baby one, of, steps. The, the, one of the big things. This offseason, whoever comes in here, mm -hmm. and some of this on the rookie quarterback, but I don't think it was necessarily yesterday, but some of it is throughout the season. 
their red zone offense was atrocious. And I don't even know the numbers. It's certainly not good when you're the worst in the league in scoring. It can't be good. But they have got to get that fixed because they had a lot of situations where, like, they definitely scored, should have scored touchdowns. We're not talking, like, first and goal from the nine. We're like, first and goal from the three and yeah. the two. And they couldn't get in. I mean, that's ridiculous. So, in terms of red zone scoring percentage, touchdowns only, the Jaguars were 29th overall in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Which to me is surprising they weren't dead last, yeah, honestly. me too. I'm surprised they weren't 33rd. Yeah. <laughs> but shout out to the New York Giants, Detroit Lions, and the Chicago Bears for uh, for taking on that spot. Why the Bears were that bad, huh? Yeah. Um, a lot of openings now in the NFL. And by the way, news out of New York. Joe Judge, uh, some people have reported that he's safe, but he's meeting with Mara this afternoon. Uh-oh. So... There could be a seventh opening, potentially, if they decide to pull the plug on Joe Judge. Seven. Or there's six right now. Yeah. So there's plenty of competition now for the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that's something to uh, keep an eye on. There's no reason to break down the game necessarily from yesterday. Why not? Well, I guess there is. It's a dub, man. Well, it's like, where are they going? They're going into the offseason, right? So I don't believe in the momentum, by the way. I love uh, if you win, you can ask that question, and, and that's great, but there's no momentum. The next game is nine months away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're 3-14. and 14. That's the momentum they carry. And, and by the way, you can get... It's a weird league where you go from 5-11 and 11 to 10-6, and six or well, 5-12 and 12 to 10-7 and seven and make the playoffs and make a run to the Super Bowl. You know, or you were 13-4 and four and then you go 5-12 and 12 the next year. That's the way the league is built. So there's absolutely no momentum. But it was nice to finish off and see what they could be and ask the question, where was some of that this year? They weren't going to be good enough to play like that for 17 games. But why didn't we have more of those kind of days where the offense looked like it was in rhythm, looked fast? They still had five or six drops in the game, so that wasn't it. But they knew how to line up. Their defense was absolutely sound and terrific yesterday against the Indianapolis Colts. I guess I just don't know why we didn't see more of that, Austin, in a 17-game stretch. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. You know, I think from the defensive side of things, I mean, it it really echoed what you saw against Buffalo when when the Jaguars pulled the 9-6 victory against the Buffalo Bills, where, you know, there was a primary focus of stopping the running game, and, and they stacked the box. You know, they dared Carson Wentz to beat him, and... You know, I was a big advocate of Carson Wentz, but these past two weeks against the Jaguars and against the Raiders, for whatever reason, man, he just, he did not look like an NFL-ready quarterback. It looked like he had the yips out there or something. So, you know, when you couple that with, you know, Jonathan Taylor having an okay day, I mean, he had 77 yards rushing off 15 attempts only, but, you know, all things considered, I was expecting more of a 200-yard day for Jonathan Taylor, but it goes to show you, once again, Joe Cullen putting a precedent on stopping the run. And then how they got it done in the backfield in terms of the quarterback sacks, it was it was a slew of different things. They would blitz five. They would blitz six. It would be a four-man blitz, or I'm sorry, sorry, a four-man pressure with like a twist game. I mean, they kept that offensive line of the Indianapolis Colts guessing. And that offensive line of the Indianapolis Colts, not a bad offensive line when they're fully healthy. So and they were healthy. Yeah. So I thought you saw, you know, Josh Allen showing what he's capable of every single game, what we should have saw the entire season. Um, you know, Dwayne, Dwayne Smoot had a, I think he got $200,000, was it, or something, due to the... 250 250 for the bonus. Congratulations to him. But, like, you saw Diapers everybody on everyone. that defense. Exactly. Uh, Damian Wilson had a, you know, everyone was getting involved, and they were flying around out there. And the offensive side of the ball, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, I mean, you saw LaVisca being used in, in different kind of sets, and, and when he ca- caught the ball, good things happened. Um, you saw Trevor Lawrence have time in the pocket, which was great. But 
it's great to celebrate and it's great to end the season on a high note because, you know, those players are obviously playing for pride and I get all that. But then you see that game and how it went down against the Colts who obviously were playing for the playoffs and you go, well, how come we couldn't get more of that the entire season? Yeah. I yeah. mean, listen, we saw it against the Bills. It was a very similar game from a defensive standpoint. We never really saw that kind of efficient offense, I would say, all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had some scoring opportunities in other games. Maybe like even the Jets game. They just couldn't finish it off, right? Mm-hmm. So they did some good things at times. I just don't know how they could be that wildly inconsistent. And I do go back. Listen, it's either poor coaching, and I think there was some poor coaching at times. Uh, and I'm not just talking about Urban Meyer. L- listen, everybody in that building can blame their bad year and their bad coaching and their bad everything on Urban Meyer. And that's fine. He's part of it. But it's not all. There was bad coaching I saw at many a times. Uh, there were people that regressed. There was not a lot of growth across the board uh, from week one to week 17. That goes on positional coaching as well. Mm-hmm. And then there was just poor play. Is that just not focused? Now, that could maybe go back to Urban a little bit. Um, is that just not making plays? Or is that just not being good enough? And I think the bottom line is it's a, a mixture of everything to get that wildly inconsistent, to have the peaks. I mean, they won the three games they won were against winning teams. Mm. They couldn't beat Houston. They got blown out by Houston essentially twice. Mm-hmm. And they beat three winning teams, including two like that. People thought Indianapolis, down the stretch, was one of the best teams in the league. Mm -hmm. And Buffalo might be one of the best teams in the league. Miami's a little iffy, but especially at the time they beat them. So, I mean, NFL's crazy to begin with, but the Jags made no sense in the way they performed. And and it's not even the high spots. It was the low spots and how many low spots. The Seattle game. The New England game, they had a little bit of excuse because of, uh, of COVID, and they probably just aren't deep enough. Uh, but there were just too many bad outings uh, week one against Houston. So they have to fix that. They have to be a little more consistent to give themselves a chance each and, each and every game. And uh, that probably starts with, with turnovers in the QB, but also goes on the other side of the ball just playing sound football. Like, I have hammered this team at times this year for lack of football IQ. I didn't notice that at all yesterday. Like, I thought they were all kind of in the spots they needed to be. They seemed like they executed the game plan. Like, I can't explain why that would show up one week but not three weeks earlier. Mm. Like, that seems like a very simplistic thing to know where to be. Yeah. No, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, um, it, it, I tell you, it must have drove crazy, especially on the defensive side, as a guy like Joe Cullen. Yeah. You know? Um, here's the problem. I don't think they're going to keep anything. I think they're going to hit the reset button. I mean, they're going to interview Daryl Bevel tomorrow for the head coaching job. They're not making Daryl Bevel the head coach. I mean, I would say they have a way better chance of keeping Trent Baalke as the GM than making Daryl Bevel the head coach, and I don't think Baalke's still going to be the GM. So, uh, but the problem with this organization right now is I don't care what the players say, and they feel like they had some momentum, and they feel like they did some good things, just not enough good things. They are going to have to start over. And when you start over with a new regime, that's new terminology, new playbook, new understanding for what that coach wants, your position coach wants, you have a new staff, uh, and they're going to have a lot of that. And initially what they're going to do as a football team, a 3-14 and 14 football team who has a number one pick and is probably the worst team in the league, is they're going to initially go backwards from where they were right now to end the year because they have to start over. Mm-hmm. They have to learn it all over again. So there's no... It's, a, it's, your, it's your old saying of one step forward, two steps back. 
Well, that's what this organization constantly does because they have to change the coaching staff and change the coaching staff and recycle and reset and all that stuff. If they could ever get three straight years of somewhat success, <laughs> now yeah. you're really snowballing things, at least from a player-to-player perspective. Um, and you're welcoming in new free agents and new draft picks, not your entire 90-man roster has to adapt to something new. No, absolutely. You know, but that goes to show you, like, if you have the talent at certain positions, you can be a first-year guy with a new scheme, a new system, and be successful. I mean, look at the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think anybody really gave the Eagles a shot this year in terms of winning, and, you know, they end up going to the playoffs because of the scheme and because of Jalen Hurts or whatever you want to say, but they're a playoff team now. Now, they may not be the favorite to win everything, but they're still going to the playoffs. So, yeah, I understand definitely what you're saying, where you got to start this whole thing anew, new scheme, new terminology, and that takes time. That's why OTAs, you know, thankfully you still have those as of now because OTAs are, are, are crucial for a new team trying to learn all this stuff. But it can be turned around in a year if you have the right guys in the building, if you have the right leadership at your disposal. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, now, you know, here's the deal. The latest on the coaching front, Bevel uh, reportedly will interview tomorrow. He, he confirmed today to us that he will uh, interview, and he was asked by Trent Balky. That was an interesting note, right, because Balky's the one that said, hey, we want you to come in for an interview. Mm-hmm. We believe this is a courtesy interview, but, hey, you know what? Good for Bevel to get that. He, he did some good things, I'm sure, inside that building in a tough situation in the last month. I've uh, still been very critical of his offense with Trevor Lawrence and his – I don't think he did a great job with Trevor – or as good a job with Trevor as they could have done, quite frankly. Uh, and Hackett's going to go on Friday, it sounds like. So, again, this now extends the search. I think that's a big part of the story. Wasn't it last Thursday? Not last Thursday. Like the Thursday prior that Doug Peterson interviewed? So you're going to go more than two weeks of interviews Mm -hmm. from the Thursday when Peterson, we believe, was the first guy to potentially, if he is the last guy, hack it on Friday. That's 15 days of interviews. Yeah. You know, that's a long time. So uh, this is an extensive search, and the Jaguars are obviously not rushing uh, to get this done and trying to beat every other team. I don't know what that says. That actually makes me a touch nervous. <laughs> yeah. Maybe on the bulky front. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe on the, that's where I might be getting nervous in 3 o'clock hour on a Monday. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Steven's on the line. Let's get him in quick. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You're welcome to call 2-904-362-9901. What's up, Steven? Hey, how you guys doing today? Doing good, man. How you doing? Uh, another day. Same stuff, different day, pretty much, at work. Uh, Mine's more like a a what if. I know uh, Brent just gave his opinion on it. But with the Bill O'Brien thing and now the Bevel, do you think Balky's trying to get guys that might work with him all of a sudden? Uh, And um, a second part question, and I'm just, I want to get your opinion on it. Given his play the past few weeks, I mean, would you sign Treadwell to a short-time deal, maybe as a fourth or fifth receiver after a lot of his consistent play? All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate the call. Uh, as for Treadwell, hey, I bring him back and give him a chance. He's a free agent. I, I wouldn't mind that. Uh, I also, if he ends up going somewhere else, I also don't mind that. But if you want to keep some continuity around Trevor, 
-hmm. He obviously has a relationship with Treadwell. If you keep some of these guys around, that's okay. But to me, he's just a depth play. Um, I don't even know where LaVisca Chenault fits. I, I want him on the roster, but I think he's going to have to show us a heck of a lot more, and I can't rely on him to be my top two guys and not even my top three. He's probably fighting for a fourth spot if, if I do what I'm supposed to do in the offseason. Mm -hmm. uh, and Chark becomes the, mo the biggest priority for the Jags. I mean, he, I think they now have to bring him back uh, to because at least they can get him to a deal. They're comfortable with him. They know what they have in him. The organization does. I think Chark's probably the most important signing of what's on this football team right now. Yeah, um, I agree as well because in free agency, you know, I mean, Mike Williams kind of showcased some stuff last night, but are you comfortable with having Mike Williams be your number one overall? Is he going to be like a 1A, 1B situation um, with like a DJ Chark and a Mike Williams and you have Marvin Jones? I'd be you know, okay. And whatever. Yeah. I mean, I would be, be better than what you got right now, and, yeah. and I'm all for that. So definitely throw the checkbook at it. You know, then to answer the second question in terms of, you know, Trent Baalke and Bill O'Brien, yeah, there is a relationship there, right? And I think if I'm the GM right now of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and maybe I am on thin ice, maybe this seat is kind of hot, I'm trying to bring in guys that I get along with. I'm trying to bring in guys that endorse me, and I think Bill O'Brien would be one of those guys that actually endorses Trent Baalke. Well, so I think it kind of makes sense. I think he would too, Austin, and because of this. And this is why it's such a selfish play, and this has nothing to do with getting the Jaguars better. This is all internally motivated by what's good for me, what's good for Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien would not have an opportunity to coach at any of the openings in the NFL right now. I don't think anybody's bringing Bill O'Brien in. No, as a head but coach, the Jaguars no. are going to be willing to bring Bill O'Brien in because he's one guy that would work with Trent Baalke. Do I have to keep repeating myself? If nobody else in the NFL wants these guys in that job, why do the Jacksonville Jaguars want these guys in those jobs? Stay away. Mm. Trent Baalke's not doing an interview for any GM job this year. You don't want him as your GM then. Mm -hmm. Bill O'Brien, he might be an OC somewhere, but he's not going to be a head coach. Get him off my list. What time is it? Monday, 344? Yep. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I think I think everybody was kind of saying that to themselves. Not not where was this, but just it's always um, um, I guess mixed emotions. I won't say always. And today is mixed emotions of we finished the way we want to finish, and you you can't ever go back. And that's something I've learned is you got to do everything you can in the moment because you can't go back and change it when it's done. So um, you don't have regrets, but you do have that feeling of just man, we we could have been doing this all season. It's, it's disappointing um, to look back and think that, especially some of the close games we lost and then just games where we didn't play well, but just to think that, you know, that's who we are, that's what we can do. That is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, really had a good first half and made uh, that play, that touchdown to Marvin Jones. I, I don't think you can say enough about it. That's a big-time play uh, that you see a lot of big-time players make. Uh, so that was a good sign because you want to see some of those elite plays. I think early in the year we saw some elite throws. That kind of dwindled down, and that was a an elite play. I mean, to, I think still think the best part of that play was to escape the rush. It shows his athleticism. I mean, he when all that's breaking down, and then and then the touch pass because we haven't seen a lot of touch passes from Trevor. A lot of them are rifle throws. That was a great catch, by the way, uh, from. Marvin Jones. We got roll call season is doing well today, and we got Montana checking in. Nice. And how about Saskatchewan? Nice. Trying to find out how cold it is in Saskatchewan. Shout out to the Rough Riders, man. There you go, Rough Riders. Very yep. good. I might be giving away some bull riding tickets 
later this week. Yeah. I'm wearing a Vancouver Whitecap shirt today. Is that kind of... Are kinda, you really? Yeah. Is that... Yeah. that I mean, uh, that might be. I mean, I got a little that, French Canadian I mean, in me. I mean, here we go. That, I mean, that could be like us in Tennessee, though. You know, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I'm just Scott saying we got a lot of them. Canada in this. Yeah, state. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Canada on this show. Yeah, man. Um, should we Brent sing Martin? it? Nah, it's good. Good though. I like Canada. It's a good little tune. Yeah, uh, it's a nice touch during hockey games. Yeah. Uh, Brent Martineau, Toronto as well. Johnny says, "All right." Gosh, we're big in Canada. Sorry about the Maple Leafs. We are big in Canada. Condolences. Oh, hey, they're doing good. Hey, maybe, hey, Casey, you know what? Maybe this is the year. You know, like this could be the year for Toronto. Could it? Yeah. Hey, Johnny, go check out the four seasons in Toronto. See if Shad's around. There we go. I like that. Um, Congrats on the Raptors a couple years ago. There also, we go. Uh, Jared Odrick has a place up in Toronto, so you might run into him in the grocery store. Nice. Or Drake. Uh, Toronto is a pretty big place. So. Yeah, I feel like it's <laughs> super big. You could yeah. see Drake. Apparently, Aiden Ross lives there now, too. You know who Aiden Ross is? Why do I know that name? I can't imagine you know who Aiden Ross is. I feel like I've heard the name. Maybe you guys have said it before. I don't think I know who Aiden Ross is. He's a streamer. Oh, yeah, I don't oh, know I who he is. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Different Ross. <laughs> Brent's trying to disassociate. I don't, I don't know what any streamers now. David Ross. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's a little bit different. Uh, the, uh, the, how about everybody's fantasy football maybe came to a close last week? Mm-hmm. Poor Casey. You to see we it, go man. into week 17. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And I was getting mad at you last week because I think we have to give a heads up to whoever's in the finals to make sure they put their lineup in. Well, Aaron, hey. new boss man Aaron, he was playing Casey, and I'm kind of rooting for Casey to lose. You over here said sorry about your loss yesterday, but yeah. I was rooting for Casey to lose because yeah. he beat me and uh, then bragged about it on social media and everything. And so Aaron, who I don't really run into very often, yeah. he, he has the best team all year long. But mm-hmm. last week... He has Kirk Cousins and doesn't realize, like, Cousins is out with COVID. Yeah. And so he has, plays Cousins against Casey. Yep. And he, he sits Devontae Adams for some reason. Like, he didn't check his lineup. So it's my responsibility as the commissioner to, to remind people to set their lineups? Well, if we want Casey to lose, it is. And oh, to put it, I got you. So to put it to you this way, if someone would have told Aaron to put Devontae Adams in, I would have won. Because all of his receivers had more points than Devontae Adams that he played. Well, not if That's he played last week, too, though. Oh, because well, it's a two-week final. I mean, we'd have to go back and check last week. Did he go off last week? I think he had a pretty good game last week. Yeah, I think he did. I think he had two touchdowns. And, and Cousins, that's my point. Like, last week, you wouldn't have built a big lead. But meanwhile, Casey's got this huge lead. I didn't even think of I thought he had already won. I checked it. Yeah. Like, in the afternoon. Oh, no, you got to earn that. Well, then, Eckler, yeah. last night he had. Eckler does well. Mm-hmm. But you know who Casey has? Casey has Carlson, the yes. kicker for the Raiders. Bummer. And Casey lost. Casey, how much did you lose by this championship? Point eight. Point eight. You hate to see it. He kicked the field goal if they just tied the game. You hate to see it, man. Or he even said if they kicked a 39-yarder instead of a 47-yarder, he still would have won the game, would have won the championship. Yep. That's how Casey lost five for five field goals from Carlson in Oakland, uh, Las Vegas, where 20, the hell they are. 21 <laughs> points from the kicker. <laughs> and by the way, like, Eckler even got added man. stuff down the stretch because oh, yeah, of those yeah. crazy fourth down plays from They yeah. combined from for 40 47. 47.8, and I lost. <laughs> man. Casey, like I said, man, I walked in there, condolences, dude. So there's two people that if I run into in the street, it's on site. The first one is uh, whoever coaches the Chargers, yeah. Staley. Staley. Yeah, Staley. I'm punching him square in his throat. Yep, I and like that. I like that a Samaj lot. P. Ryan. Everybody else in Georgia man. Samaj so P. Ryan did not play a snap when Joe Mixon was out. I saw that. I did see yep. you had a goose egg for him, so he just didn't play? Yeah, didn't play. 
Mm. Everyone said, hey, starting running back, Samaj P. Ryan. <laughs> so I don't know, but I'm going to punch him square in the throat. He'll probably then beat me up, but it's worth it. You probably didn't sleep very well last night. I, I, re- I really didn't. Yeah, that would have that actually would have bugged me. Like, there's I'm no good money on the line, but that would have bugged I'm me. I'm just glad that my phone was off when Casey was texting because, like, he texts like around <laughs> 12, 1230, letting us know what happened, man. But, um, yeah. And you know what? I knew, I knew he wasn't going to miss. Like, Carlson, oh, he, he never miss. misses. Pretty good. So I, I, was like, I only thought he might miss, like, intentionally. Yeah. Like, I was like, he, maybe he's. Maybe somebody he knows on the other team and wants him to go to the playoffs and just yanks one. I love it, hey, but I love it, man. This isn't the SEC. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it doesn't mean more here. Send that opponent home. Send your division rival home here. We'll talk a little bit about that game. Uh, you think the Raiders keep their coach? I tell you, I feel like they have to. Chargers better not. Guys, <laughs> idiots. They, <laughs> I feel like they have to. Let's yeah. talk a little bit around some of the things yeah. around the NFL, including that yeah. game. It was unbelievable. And the NFL is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, what a reality show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, by the way, let's give away a couple tickets to the Iceman All-Star game a week from today. And uh, let's go with the hat trick number three, 904-362-9901, 904-362-9901. A week from today, it's the ECHL All-Star Game right here in Jacksonville. was supposed to be last year, moved to this year, and it's almost game time. Puck drops next Monday night. We're giving away tickets to the game right now, 904-362-9901. We'll be back talking more football, Jags, coaching search, bulky, and the NFL playoffs on the way on ESPN 690.